0: i'm really really excited about this series that we've been tracking through my journey of christian faith has always been this sort of internal battle of trying to get the being with jesus stuff right and then trying to get the doing stuff right and never quite finding the right balance between those two things and i've really enjoyed being able to dig into that a little bit further these past couple of weeks um If you missed what we've been doing so far, we're we're doing a series called Simply Be, and really what it's all about is discipleship. It's a series about the simplicity, really, of the call on each of our lives as followers of Christ to simply be with Jesus. And you know that can sound like something airy-fairy, something super spiritual that the holy people do, that only some of us maybe can achieve really well. But that's not what we're talking about. Really what we're talking about here is practical day-to-day discipleship, being with Jesus, walking with him, following him, living our lives pointed towards him, face towards him, whatever that might look like for all of us. And it's been a recognition really That as we face our lives, as we turn our lives towards Christ, turn our lives towards Jesus by doing those daily things, by our daily prayer, by our worship in community, we find ourselves becoming more and more like Jesus, like the character of Jesus, like who he was when he walked on the earth, like who he is to us now. We find ourselves becoming more loving people, more joyful people more faithful people as we turn our lives towards Christ and as we spend our time being with him. And last week we talked a little bit about that transformation. We talked about becoming more and more like Jesus and we used the word transformation in that. And we spoke about the fact that transformation is something that is possible. It's something that can and does happen. We spoke about the fact that, as well, transformation is practical. It's something that we can measure. It's something that we can see in our lives, day to day. You know, it's not um, something that we sort of hope is happening, but we're never quite sure if it is. We can see transformation happening in our lives, and we can see it day to day as well. You know, this isn't something that um, we sort of sit hoping for, and then one day it miraculously happens. Rather, it's something that happens during our daily journey with Christ. We are transformed to become. More like him. You know, we have this amazing transformation that can take place, which we can taste and touch and see and measure in each of our lives as we go about the day to day task of turning our lives towards Christ, following him and being with him. So, today we talk about doing the things that Jesus did. You know, we talked about being with Jesus, we talked about becoming like him, and today we talk about doing the things that Jesus did. I wonder what that maybe brings to mind in your head when I say that. Maybe it's, oh no, I came on the wrong week. Um, I've got to do the stuff. Think for a minute. From what you know of the Gospels, from what you've read in Scripture, from what you've heard of this man Jesus um, as he walked on the earth, what are the things practically that Jesus did? What are the things that immediately spring to mind? I wrote a list. Lists are never particularly helpful in this scenario, but um, just to give us some examples of the kind of things that we maybe are talking about here. Preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons, eating and drinking, doing justice, praying, prophesying, standing up against religious and political corruption, calling and making disciples disciples. Maybe there's other things that you would add to that list too. Maybe there's things you might take off it. But that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about when we talk about doing the things that Jesus did. And it's quite a big list and it's a big task. And throughout the Gospels we read these big challenges from Jesus as he speaks to his disciples, as he speaks to those who follow him. Um, So Matthew 10, just after Jesus has decided who his 12 are going to be, the disciples who are going to follow him, and he's called them and he's commissioned them. It says this in Matthew 10. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons freely you've received, freely give. And that is a challenge that Jesus gives to his disciples as he's drawn them together, close to him, as they've committed to following him and becoming more like him. That is the challenge that they give. And I was so challenged by reading Jesus say to his disciples, freely you have received, now freely it's time to give. There's an element of Jesus having drawn the disciples close to him, to follow him, to become more like him. There's an element of turning around and sending out to go and do the things that he has been doing, that he's been modelling as they've been following him about. And when we've been talking about discipleship, we sort of sometimes use the word apprenticeship as well. It's sort of a similar um, idea. The apprentices, the disciples, they started to live with Jesus, to adopt his practices. And as a result, they are changed people. And then there's this moment where Jesus sends them out. And it's an invitation that is open, not just to the disciples in Scripture, but that's open to each one of us today. Um, A huge challenge for each one of us. As we're invited to be with him and become like him, what are the things that he's calling us to do? And in one sense, I can't cover all of the things that Jesus is calling us to go and do. um, Because like I said, that's a huge list that I've just read out. But in another way, I wanted to give us today just some really practical pointers, just some things that we can do because this stuff can feel like such a weight, can feel like such a burden, can feel so heavy on each one of us. You know, we, um, we love being with Jesus, but we always have this sense, or at least I do, in the back of our minds, like, oh, I need to be doing that thing, or um, I need to focus more on this thing, or the doing isn't really happening. And really what I wanted today to remind us of what this whole series is about is really about being with him and trusting that from that place, the rest will flow um, And that this isn't something that we have to carry heavily. You know, we don't have to write down that list of things that I read out earlier and tick them off as we do them in order to call ourselves disciples. No, really, being disciples of Jesus really does mean being with him, turning our lives towards him, following him. And that is really it. We just need to simply be. But how do we go about doing this stuff? Well, the first thing I wanted to suggest is that we need to make space. Basically what I've just been saying, we need to be with Jesus. But we need to make space for him, make space for Jesus in our lives. I've been doing some making space this weekend. Um, We've been clearing out stuff In our flat, we live in a two-bed flat, and as I'm sure lots of you will know, um, that involves sometimes a big clear-out, and you have to clear out one thing from one space in order to move it into another space that you then need to clear out. So you have to move it from that space to then clear it out into that space to eventually have the space that you feel like you might need. That is the jobs we've been doing this weekend. Um, We now have some space. If a baby comes... There is some space for the baby to be. Um, so that's progress. Uh, but we, you know, we all have this sense, don't we, in our lives that are so full of needing to just squeeze out time, squeeze out space. And I just really wanted to encourage us this morning that we can't underestimate the power of just making space to practice being with Jesus in community, you know, amongst this family, as people. Peter has this amazing vision for the church. He says this in 1 Peter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter has this vision of the church as people who are living so like Jesus, who have made space for Christ in their lives, who are becoming more and more like him. That it's so compelling that people flock to the church to see what's going on. Even though they don't think it's right or true, they flock in to see what's going on. And with this vision of what church could be like... Evangelism is something that is unstoppable and happens automatically because this group of people are just gathering together, being like Jesus, becoming like him, making space. Dallas Willard says this. He has a similar vision of the church. If churches really are enjoying fullness of life, evangelism will be unstoppable and largely automatic. The local assembly, this on a Sunday for its part, can then become an academy where people throng from the surrounding community to learn how to live. It will be a school of life, for a disciple is but a pupil, a student, where all aspects of that life seen in the New Testament records are practiced and mastered under those who have themselves mastered them through practice. Only by taking this as our immediate goal can we intend to carry out the Great Commission. What if we're people who are known as those people who know how to live? Those people who love so well? Those people who are welcoming and hospitable and joyful? You know, those people who aren't caught up in the normal issues of day to day life, in the busyness and the madness of um, business and doing our lives. What if they are the people who deal with pain really, really well? And they know what joy looks like. You know, what if we could be known as those people? That is the vision that is being put forward here. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by making space to be with Jesus in this community. You know, and it looks like doing it together as well. It looks like taking more than just personal responsibility. It looks like doing it as a family, you know, being in a connect group or in a small group, drawing together and being with Jesus together, spurring one another on sharing life and faith together, encouraging one another, being part of each other's lives, you know, in order that we might inspire one another to do the things that Jesus did. We might inspire one another to spur on with those daily practices of being with him, that we might inspire one another to continue to become more like him. I heard it said, and I'm not sure about it, as I've been looking into this idea of discipleship, that the end goal of discipleship to Jesus is to do the things that Jesus did. And I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about it being the end goal. I'm not sure that this is about graduation from the Jesus Apprenticeship Programme. I think it's about us genuinely coming together as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, to be with him and to follow his way in community. And I really honestly don't think we can underestimate the power of that, not just for us, not just for the people that we're becoming, but for you know, our communities as they see us as this family of people who know how to do life well. Um, I think it's an amazing challenge for each one of us to make space to be with Jesus together. My second challenge is this, to make dinner it says this in Luke about Jesus, that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know, Jesus was known as a guy who was going around eating and drinking with people, especially eating and drinking with people who he shouldn't have been eating and drinking with. And he did do that. Uh, there's loads and loads of stories throughout the Gospels of him doing that. There's one story as he calls his disciple Matthew. It says this, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. A massive part of Jesus's strategy for the transformation of the world was eating and drinking with people who were far from Him, who were far from God. That was His strategy. It really, really was. If you read the Gospels genuinely, Jesus ate and drank with people who were far from God. So, my challenge to us is to do the same thing, if we're gonna do the things that Jesus did, a great place to start is to invite people to eat and drink with us as we follow him, as we learn to do the things that Jesus did, and this isn't a cop-out. You know, having fun with others, inviting them to join in with our lives, having dinner with people, you know, going for coffee with people, it's not a cop-out. Jesus did it, it was a massive part of his strategy for transformation. And in the same way, it's something that we're invited into doing, something so simple. We all eat and drink and we can invite others to become part of that. And there's something so intimate, so special about it when we invite other people, those who have different ideas to us, those who have different priorities to us. We invite them into our lives to share a meal with us. It's an amazingly powerful thing. And we see time and time again in the Gospels Um, not only does it transform the people that Jesus eats with, but it also transforms those who look on and say, why are you doing that? Why are you eating and drinking with those people who are far from God? I wonder if you can think even now of someone who in the next couple of weeks you could invite over for dinner or go out for coffee with or share a communal time with share some food or drink with and I'm not talking about needing to have a prepared gospel speech that you need to take to somebody and when you invite them for dinner I'm not talking about that what I'm talking about is the opportunity that each of us have wherever we're at whether you can cook or not it doesn't really matter to invite somebody into your space where you are eating where you are drinking and invite them to become part of your life to become part of your journey it's an incredibly powerful thing There's intimacy in it. There's a sense of inviting others into our lives to join us, to become part of what it is that we're doing as we learn daily to be with Jesus and become more like him. So who are you going to invite? Who could you take for coffee? What needs to change in your life in order that that could be something that happens? You know, we are full, like I was talking about making space. Our lives are so full. Where could you make space in your week To have dinner with somebody. The third thing is let's make time. So make space, make some dinner, make some time. Doing the things that Jesus did isn't something that we can schedule into our diaries. You know, we can't say, okay, Wednesday afternoon I'm preaching the gospel, Thursday morning I'm casting out demons. I'm going to have to change that to Friday, actually, because I've got a meeting. We can't, it's not something we can do. It's not how it works. When we read about Jesus' life in the Gospels, when we read about um, the way he lived his life, that's not how he lived. You know, Jesus was ready to be interrupted. And in the same way, I think that that is something that's so true for us. We need to make time in our lives, make ourselves ready in order that we might be interrupted. I've been walking home this week from nursery with um, my two-and-a-half-year-old. And that is a long journey. It's actually not a long journey, but with a two-and-a-half-year-old, it is a long, long journey. And the reason why it's long is because Sophia likes to stop and make a comment about everything as she walks along the road. When she sees like a ramp that goes up to a house and then some stairs that come down, she wants to run up the ramp and walk down the stairs. She doesn't want to walk along the street like a normal person. you know. Or when she sees people coming along the street. She wants to make a comment about what they're doing. She wants to tell me that they're running or that they're on a skateboard, or thankfully there hasn't been anything offensive yet, but it's coming, I'm sure. She wants to tell me about the things that she can see that are happening. When people stop, when she sees a dog, for example, it's like a 15 minute occasion on our walk home because she's ready, more than ready, to be interrupted by the things that she sees going on in her life on the street. You know, she has no agenda of where she's going. She has no idea that, I'm thinking, we need to be home soon because you need to get in the bath and get into bed and all of that routine, routine, routine. She has no concern for any of those things because she's just ready to be interrupted, ready to see what happens as she walks along the road. And couldn't we all do with being more like that? Like, we all have schedules that we need to follow, and schedules aren't a bad thing. But when we become slaves to them, and we don't make time to be interrupted, it means we miss out on some of those amazing moments in life where Jesus' stuff happens. You know, where we have those beautiful interruptions that people... Um, spring into our lives. You know, when somebody starts to talk to us or when um, we're in a shop and uh, we're buying something and the shopkeeper clearly is up for a chat and we just haven't quite got the time to go into it. Or, you know, just any of those sort of life moments. I'm sure you can all think of one where you've just had that moment but you haven't got the time to stop for five minutes. And that's not to lay any guilt or burden on any of us but just a challenge for each one of us that as Jesus walked on the earth he made time to be interrupted what do we need to do to make time to be interrupted by those beautiful interruptions that Jesus brings about in our lives you know and as we do that doing the things that Jesus did becomes something that is natural that flows from us that flows from who we are just because we've made the time to be interrupted by those things. So how can we do the things that Jesus did? Well, we can make space. We can make space to be with him in community, to become that amazing place that people look at and want to be part of. We can all make dinner, or at least coffee, and we can make time to be interrupted by those amazing, beautiful interruptions that Jesus brings about. And you know, if we do those things, I think it's pretty likely that we'll be satisfied people doing the things that Jesus calls each one of us to do as we spend time with him and as we become more like him. I pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to show us practically what it looks like to live like you. And that the example that you set us for how to live is the best way to live, the best way to be human. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to challenge us, Lord, to inspire us as we commit to spending more time with you, more time being with you. That you would continue to transform us, Lord. That you continue to help us to make space for you. And Holy Spirit, would you fill each one of us? Would you bring us awareness of those beautiful interruptions that you provide us with all the time? And would you give us the energy that we need to make time for those things? To take the lead from you, Lord, and to do the things that you called us to do. Do the things that you did when you walked on the earth. And Lord, when we may, we see transformation in our communities as we do that. In your name. Amen.